when you fought for the first time, what was it that you remember that you thought, man, this is so badass. I love this. This gets me going. And so we went to McDonough, Georgia. There was a program there called Deep South and Deep South Wrestling. So my sister and I went and I watched one of their little indie shows and I just seen how they were coming out as these characters. And it almost felt like I I took it like it was like adult playtime, just like being silly, but it was storytelling. And I just remembered this is really fun. And then the next day, the coach got us in the ring and he looked at me and he's like, have you ever taken a back bunk kid? And I was like, a what? what? Yeah. (laughs) And he took my feet out underneath me and kind of just slammed me to the mat. And in that moment, even though it hurt like hell, I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. Like it was just this like a really intense connection I had to wrestling. I believe that each and every one of us has the power within ourselves to create the life that we really want. And I want to help give you the tools to make that happen. I'm Danica Patrick, and I'm Pretty Intense. Today on the Pretty Intense podcast is a pretty intensely beautiful, talented manifester Brie Bella of the Bella Twins. They have, I mean, they really have an empire. I mean, they have the Total Bella show with her sister, Nikki. They came from WWE. She has a hair care line, a wine. Of course, in this interview, you're going to hear about how all that's possible, how somebody is able to manifest such an empire and also what's coming next and what's on the horizon. Really how we connected was from a spiritual aspect, a spiritual friend. So then you're going to also hear about, you know, a lot about religion and spirituality and perspectives and, you know, the, the, the pros and cons of it all in our thoughts, how she's able to create such an empire and such a beautiful life and have such great perspective to really, as she would say, just smile and be happy every day. So enjoy the interview. How you doing, girl? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. So skiing. I saw you were skiing. <laughs> Wait, who's doing this interview? Right. Have you ever skied before? No. So I want to get back into it. But with wrestling, I just never took the chance. But I used to do it before. And we just bought a house in like Tahoe. So I want to get like back into it. It just looks so fun. Obviously, like being in, you know, which is might as well like ask about this stuff. But being in racing, like I was never allowed to either. And so I, you know, I was laughing this week. I was like, man, it's like being a kid again because I have never cultivated any other sports because of what I did. So I didn't, I didn't do water sports. I didn't do snow sports. Like there was nothing, nothing other than racing. And so now I feel like I get to be a kid. I'm like living like a kid because it's all new. So um, th- was it, I mean, cause you started WWE in like, how were you like 20? So I started at 23 years old. I'm 37, which is crazy. So I, it's, you know, what's interesting is I actually did diva search. I was 22 years old and it was kind of like, um, WWE was going around looking for female wrestlers and they did this thing, diva search. They actually don't do it anymore. And I'll never forget when I heard it, I was like, oh my gosh, like, this makes sense in my life. I'm supposed to be a wrestler um, just because of the characters and the athleticism you needed to have to fight in the ring. It just sounded perfect. So I actually dragged my sister to Diva Search and she was really mad at me when we showed up because it looked like a bunch of go-go dancers in line. But um, we were 22, but we didn't make it. Like they were like, no, we, sorry, you guys don't fit. And Nicole and I were like, we're the only twins here. Are you kidding? 
But, um, and what happened is I told my family I wanted to be a wrestler. My grandfather was like, no, like you have to get married, have kids. Like you can't go fight. And, um, then he got really sick. And so I kind of put trying to be a wrestler on hold for just a little bit. And then he passed and then I turned 23 and my sister and I are like, you know, we love you, Papa. We know you didn't understand it, but we're going to go be wrestlers. So I kind of just waited then. And then Nicole and I went and even though they didn't want us, we just fought really hard to get in their developmental program. And then kind of the rest is history from there. What did you, I mean, when you fought for the first time, what was it that you remember that you thought, man, this is so badass. I love this. This gets me going. I, I went to a place called McDonough, Georgia. I didn't even know. Sorry, Georgia. I didn't know McDonough existed. I was like, um, McDonough, Georgia. And so we went to McDonough, Georgia. There was a program there called Deep South and Deep South Wrestling. So my sister and I went and I watched one of their little indie shows. And I just seen how they were coming out as these characters. And it almost felt like I... I took it like it was like adult playtime, just like being silly, but it was storytelling. And I just remembered this is really fun. And then the next day, the coach got us in the ring and he looked at me and he's like, have you ever taken a back bunk kid? And I was like, a what? what? Yeah. (laughs) And he took my feet out underneath me and kind of just slammed me to the mat. And in that moment, even though it hurt like hell, I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. Like it was just this like a really intense connection I had to wrestling. And I, you know what it was? It was thrilling and there was something different and it it almost made me feel, I was a soccer player growing up. It almost just made me feel like an athlete again. And I loved feeling that. What aspect um, does it bring out in you? Like, do you feel like it's like, does it sort of cut into a certain part of you that's either competitive or like a little rough? or like aggressive or technical like what do you where do you get in with it you know it's crazy because when I was growing up as a kid um, my parents they were great athletes so they always wanted me to be an athlete but I was always drawn to music and arts but my mom was pretty much like you're out of the will if you don't do like do sports so I was I did have a natural ability as an athlete like soccer sports came easy to me And to my sister, it was my natural ability where music and art was a challenge. Um, And I think wrestling almost felt like home. It was like a natural ability. It was being, I had the balance. I had the athleticism. So it was almost like this place inside that it felt easy. But then the challenging part was thinking about the the storylines and what's your character? What's your gimmick name? What is your character going to fill throughout the match at the starting of the match, the middle of the match and the end? And then where do you go from there? And how do you leave the fans hanging? That part was the challenging part, but the part I had always craved my whole life that I never got. And so, cause my parents didn't want me to go into music into drama, even though I wanted to as a kid. So it was weird because when I took that first back bump, the pain felt at home, but it was everything else that I knew that was coming that excited me. And I knew I was going to be challenged and I was so ready for that in my life. Mm. I found it fascinating listening to you talk about how in, in WWE you play a role and 
you know, how you went through a couple iterations of roles that you and your sister would play and that you ended up landing on the role of kind of what's more natural to you. Is that, is that accurate? It is. And you know, it's funny because I was a wanderlust. I mean, I, I feel like kids, some of my friends, they knew what they wanted to do. Like they went to college, they got degrees. Some of them didn't use their degrees, but there was still direction. I had zero direction. I also went through in, you know, my senior year, I lost my high school sweetheart to a drunk driver. So I dealt with death at a very young age and the, he was, he was kind of my plan. Like I was kind of like, okay, he was an artist, a musician. He was going places and I was just going to go with them and I was just going to figure it out as I go. And then all of a sudden, January of my senior year, I lose him. And it was like, I lost everything. I lost my direction. I lost my future. I lost like, you know, your first love, like all of that. And I experienced pain and all these other emotions. So literally graduated high school, kind of, I don't want to say with the chip on my shoulder, but with sadness, um, with just not giving a shit. And then it was like, that summer, I was like, F it. I was living in Scottsdale at the time. I'm like, I'm going to San Diego. I was born there, had family there. And I'm just going to figure out life. And I went there just caring about partying. I was a Hooters girl. I went to, um, I dormed at San Diego State. I went to Grossmont College. And I was just living, which was a great place to be. I was loving life. But people are like, what do you want to do? What are you going to do? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm making like really good money at Hooters. <laughs> um, I had no idea. And until I saw wrestling, which I saw at Hooters, we'd showcase the pay-per-views. Yeah. That's the first time I saw it. I was (laughs) like, Whoa, I dig this. Um, this is something I can get into. And then all of a sudden I came across diva search. So I kind of felt like the universe was, it kind of made my path for me and it started to give me the signs. And at a young age, because I experienced losing bear, I was very young at, I was very spiritual young but I was very open to signs. And so I was kind of seeing them and I'm like, I think this is where I'm supposed to be going. And I, it was weird how it just connected with me and my whole family thought I was crazy. They're like, you want to be a wrestler? Like no one understood it. My mom was like just losing sleep. My grandmother was saying probably a hundred Hail Marys for me. Like everyone was just blown away, but it's, my sister and I look at the career we've, you know, we, we have, like we listened to our hearts. We followed these signs and I made a really sweet life for myself and I had fun the whole time doing it. Mm. And and I just love that you like played the role of yourself, but you talked about signs. And so, you know, I kind of, the reason why we met each other and had dinner in Napa is because of another girl who you've known for a really long time and the whole like sort of spiritual, spiritual aspect of life, which I don't know if people know that side of you that well or not, but maybe this is the time because you just said signs. And I feel like unless you're someone spiritual and tapped in and tuned in, you don't notice those little nuanced things. So do you track back sort of the aspect of you that's spiritual and that, that part to, um, like noticing signs back then, or was it, or do you feel like you were spiritual before you started to see signs? You know, I felt for me, it's really interesting because bear plays a really big role in spirituality before he was gone. He really opened up my eyes 
and you know, he, we both came from Catholic families, but bear was really deep. He, he was like, there's something more than just what the Bible tells you. You know, he talked about feeling and he just knew this. And I didn't know if it was him being an artist and, you know, they speak so cute and like they say these great things, but he did open up my eyes to that world. And then when I lost him, that's when I really started to see signs. And I started to go to spiritual healers and I was talking to angel readers and I started to really dive into this world. And I'll tell you, the first time I went, a woman reached out to me and said, this person keeps showing me a bear and he wants me to speak to you. Yeah. And this woman, like, I was like, I'm so sorry, but I don't believe this stuff. I, 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 did, I can't. And she goes, just, can I tell you a memory that maybe only you two would know? Would you come speak to me? And I'm not kidding you. She told me about this time. I'll never forget it. The Diamondbacks won the world series. Um, so I, I had, I was in high school. Yeah, it was our senior year and bear and I like hopped this fence. It was a, this house downtown. There was no one was living there and we watched the fireworks show from the backyard. We didn't tell anyone. It's like as a kid, you don't go tell people that she told me it. And I was like, okay, okay. I'm going to listen now. Like I had goosebumps. I immediately just started bawling my eyes out and I'll tell you this woman, I can't find her. I wish I could. Her name was Trisha. She opened my eyes at 18 years old to spirituality, but to this whole world. And I started making vision boards. I started to manifest. I started to do all these things. And people at my age, like they thought it was crazy, but this woman really opened up my eyes to really like bear leaves you feathers everywhere. Still to this day, I'll think about him and I'm not kidding. A feather will fall out of the sky onto my children or onto me or they're in, I was at a bookstore, pulled the book out and I'm flipping through a book. There was a feather in a book. Come on. I swear. I, I swear. And like, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it, but yeah. I think cause I'm so yeah. Open to all this, which then it made me open to career stuff. It was more than just then bear. When I started to experience this for so many years, I started to open up to everything, um, to what I should do in my life. What's my next step? where I should live. And, um, I really think that's how WWE came to me. And I was also one of those people who I did manifest. I wanted something that I could naturally do, but at the same time, I wanted to be a character. I loved acting and I loved all these different things. And I feel like that's how WWE came into my path is I just kept manifesting really what I wanted to do in my life, which was WWE. Mm. And I didn't know it. What are, um, what are some other, are there any other stories where you feel like, you know, your vision board came true and you're like, look, I put this picture up here of a house and then I lived in it or I wanted these, I wanted two kids and now I have them. Or like, did you, do you have any other crazy stories about manifestations? Yeah. Because I think this is such a powerful aspect of life that people just don't think about, know how to do and how the heck isn't this taught in school? And <laughs> Oh, I agree. You know, people, my sister and I are actually very open talking about vision boards because we know other people get super uncomfortable about it. And we're like, F it. Like we love vision boards, like, and we believe in them. And, and, um, I look at my old vision boards and I'm like, wow, this came true. This came true. I mean, I did, I had on there a boy and a girl, which I know people are going to think I'm crazy, but I guess I, I have a boy and a girl. I, I had on there about wanted to, my sister and I wanted to have a tag match at WrestleMania years down the road. It happened. Um, and just all these, I mean, I wanted to always live in Napa Valley. Here I am. 
um, always wanted a wine, have a wine. And my sister and I, we had on there years ago to be New York Times bestselling authors. That happened. And it's not like I make these vision boards and I have timelines. I make these vision boards knowing it will come at some time in my life. I don't know when, but I start making vision boards at like 19 years old, maybe 20. Um, my sister and I just seen the world and I got to see the world with WWE. I mean, WWE's in 146 countries. We went to a lot of them and I got to do it with my sister. And so we were just sightseeing, seeing the world wrestling. It was just so fun, but I do, I start looking and, um, and on there, you know, I have things like happiness and, um, being a better person. Like I don't have just material things or things about money or success. Cause success to me is happy being happy. I have on there like smile and, um, you know, find the better you today, like different stuff like that too, that will emotionally make me feel good. But you know, my sister and I, we, I'll never forget this. We were talking to this woman and she, she was, she's, um, you know, people don't know, like kind of speaks to the other side, you know, she doesn't like being called a psychic. She's not that, but she's more like, you know, an angel to speak to angels. Is this the girl that we, is this the one that I've talked to too? Not, no, not her. This is someone okay. I think okay. you would really like. She's from upstate New York. And so we never met in person only over the phone. And my mom came across her. Now I've spoken to her. Let's see. I'm 37 right before I moved to New York. So I was 26. The first time I ever spoke to her at 26, she told me, she's like, I just keep seeing this thing with you and your sister, Lucy and Ethel. Like there's going to be some reality show in your lives. And I told her, I'm like, uh, like pump the brakes. I'm never doing a reality show. She's like, then it, it must not be reality. Maybe it's scripted, but there's something where I see you and your sister talking on TV. I see people laughing, watching the TV, seeing you too. And I'm like, it has to be wrestling. Cause I was really heavy into wrestling at that time. And she's like, it feels different. It feels like your life. And so we never went back to that conversation, but I write everything down and I'll go back and look. And at 29 years old, so I was 26, 29 years old is when Total Divas came to us. Hmm. And it's crazy because I remember when it came, my sister and I were like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if we could do this, like really just put our lives out there. And her and I kept talking about it, talking about it. And we're like, okay, if we do it, we got to go full in, like put our whole lives out there. We can't hold back. And I remember thinking, I just don't know if I'm fun to watch. I'm like, I don't really do fun things. Like I didn't, I don't know. And then sure enough, we said yes. And then total divas just like really hit big. And then all of a sudden I was like, Anita, this is what she was talking about. And I'll still to this day be like, Anita, she's called so much stuff. Like, you know what she told my mom? And people are going to think I'm bonkers, but I don't care. She told my mom like a long, long time ago, because my mom and I were just talking about this. Um, I had to be at the time 25. Um, she goes, I see your daughter moving to California, but I see all these fires. She's like, I don't know why. So my mom was always like, and I was in and out of California. I lived San Diego, Los Angeles. I was in New York, back in San Diego. And we never really went back to that, but I remember my mom being like, you can't live in California. We see fires. Anyways, here I moved to Napa Valley and two days later, I'm surrounded by fires. I just literally, I told my mom, I'm like, mom, maybe this is what Anita saw, you know? And my mom's like, oh my gosh. And there was a couple other things in that phone call. My mom remembers that are actually playing out kind of around this time. And so, you know, people will roll their eyes. And 
I have even family members to friends who are like, uh, but I'm like, you know what? For me, when I speak to all these spiritual people, nothing but love comes out, nothing but like good feelings. And I'm like, why not? And okay. Half the time, some of their stuff. Okay. I take with a grain of salt, but other times there's something there. And I'm like, why not? It only makes sense. Like we're souls. So why can't we connect with other souls, whether they're living or they're on the other side? I just, sometimes I'm shocked how people can be so close minded to the whole spiritual world. Why do you think they are? I think they're scared. I think sometimes that world is scary. And I will say this, I think religion makes people feel guilty. I feel like to them, it's this, this, um, you're connecting with Satan some way, or it's some witchcraft, which it's not, it's the complete opposite. Um, I think sometimes like I grew up in a Catholic family. I think religion's a beautiful thing, but I do think at times it could be the root of all evil. I, I see the fighting. I see what it can, you know, brew. I love God. I love Jesus. I love him in a very spiritual way. Um, I don't, guilt myself feeling if I don't go to church on Sunday, I'm, Oh, I'm a bad person because my church is in my home. I, I, you know, I pray all the time. I pray all the time, day and night. Um, I'm always giving thanks. I'm always giving love to them. I don't need to walk into a church for an hour to fill that. I feel it all in here. And so, um, I I've realized that because when I've tried to get some of my family members to, they feel like they're going against their religion and doing it. And I'm like, you're not. This is all a part of it. In some way, this is all a part of it. I was having a conversation with uh, Jay Shetty for a show, and we started talking about um, <clears throat> meditating and tables and altars. And like we both kept avoiding calling it an altar because it feels like blasphemous or like somebody's going to like, you know, well, it's not at church. But I, I mean, I I mean, shoot, like 100 million years ago. I became Catholic. I was once upon a time married and got married in the Catholic church. So I became Catholic and, you know, like, I mean, I've gone through the religions. I've gone there. I went to Baptist church. Um, and, but I remember back in those days, I was like, I feel like if I don't go to church and get a message, then it's pointless. And I feel like I could be just as much, if not more spiritual at home than I can be in a church. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that goes towards kind of like, build your build build your church in your in your inside yourself like heaven and hell to me is like in a, a state of existence it's your right. it's your it's where you live mentally it's not like a place that you go kind of like a church isn't the place you go to be spiritual you're spiritual inside of you i agree and I needed that being on the road with wwe sure i i needed my church to be with me i there was so many times in hotel rooms where i was like how do I keep going? Like it was either, you know, the one thing that I very quickly learned, um, at WWE is TV's TV. So you are fighting for TV time, which means people can be ruthless backstage. And my sister and I, we came in as athletes. So it was, you know, when you come in and you're thinking, well, as a sports team, you work together, championships come. That's how it is no me and team, or there is me and team. There's no I in team, but like there, you couldn't do it on your own. And you really like, as a soccer player, I understood my, I was center mid and then I'd be right mid too. I knew my position was important just as much as a forward and a sweeper. 
like we understood each other's positions and we were connected and we knew if we all work together, we're going far, which, you know, my soccer team, we did. And with wrestling, I quickly learned that it was a one person sport, even though it didn't have to be. And soon my sister and I, I think rubbing off on people showed that when women do come together, barriers get broken. Um, you really get looked at seriously. But when I first walked in that locker room, I'm like, whoa, like people were ruthless. So I needed my church with me at the backstage at WWE. I needed it on the road. I needed even as moments as a waitress when people would be awful. It's like, I just needed to go in the back and get to a quiet place just to do a little prayer or just to remind myself, like, I don't want to be these people. And so I felt like I couldn't wait till Sunday. I needed here now, but you know, and it's, it's crazy. I felt like because I always had that mentality and same with my sister, we went through a lot of shit at WWE, but it helped me really get through it. Cause there was times we were like, how'd you just walk in the back and smile? And I'm like, because I'm breathing. There could be worse. I could have woken up that morning and not woken up. And other than that, I woke up and it's like, okay, let's go in. If I'm going to fight, well, my sister and I are pretty good fighters. So <laughs> we're ready. Thank God. I mean, thank God for that. <laughs> right. You know, that option to be like that awareness level that you could access that because I was, I've been talking about this recently with people where, um, you know, what is it about, um, what is it about religion that people are drawn to and not something else? And it's like less accountability, right? Like it's someone else's fault. There's a plan in place. You go like say something and it's forgiven. It's, you know, things are left up to fate. And so when you step away from that, then, you know, you realize that there's more accountability, right? Manifestation is kind of accountability, right? Like building the church in yourself is accountability, you know, like having the discipline to use it is accountability. And I feel like that is like the aspect of it that is, um, super powerful, but also really difficult for people because, I mean, I've experienced that in my own life just through my things that I've gone through emotionally and in my own world. And, and, and man, like when you realize that every, your life is your fault, good and bad. I mean, you know, it all, it sounds bad when you say that, like your life is your fault, but then you go, wait, but I've done some really good stuff. And you're like, that's my fault too. Um, (laughs) that's the, that level of accountability I think is scary for people. I agree. Um, You know, what's interesting is you saying that it definitely makes me feel that religion sometimes doesn't allow us to be human because if you are human, we make mistakes. We're not perfect, but religion makes you feel guilty for it. Where spirituality really allows you to be human and learn from your mistakes, which I always loved and appreciated. I was like, spirituality just lets you live. And I do believe that's the way God and Jesus wants you to live. But sometimes the Bible and people get mad when I say this, but it has existed for so long. It's be, it's been rewritten. There's so much truth to it, but also I sometimes look at it and I go, it was written in a a different time. And I feel like if you know, God's love, you know, it inside, like you feel it and I feel it. And I know it's a very pure, tender, sweet, caring love. You know, I, someone one time said to me, they kind of got a little upset because for a long time, I was a vegan, then vegetarian, and I, I now I eat fish, and but I for a while it was like my compassion for animals. And someone was like, "Well, 
God put animals on the planet for us to eat. And I was like, mm, but not to abuse. And they're like, but they're here for us. And I'm like, we'll see if this is where I have a hard time because I believe in unity, unity of planet, animal, um, plant, human. I go, but humans, we think we're so much superior, which is why I feel like our planet isn't flourishing right now. If we were, if we looked at ourselves and we're like, we are equal to animal and not saying we could still eat them, animals eat animals, but if we are equal to plant, plant, animal and ourselves, this earth would be flourishing. And so that's where I have a hard time at times, but then there's so many beautiful things that come out of the Bible that I'm like, now this is beautiful. This is what we should be living. But Mm. sometimes I feel like religion concentrates on the parts that make you feel like you're going to hell. And that to me is like, uh, I mean, we're human. Like I had sex before marriage. Like I felt like it taught me a lot about what I wanted in marriage instead of making me feel like I'm a sinner. Like instead it, I educated myself in a way and I, I don't want to feel guilty for that. You know? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's kind of almost like what we're dealing with right now where it's fear-based stuff. Yeah. Which is so dangerous. I mean, they, they already off the bat say it lowers like your immunity to live in that fear state. But then the psychological effects when we look at, you know, I mean, the things going on in the world and how much fear is there. I mean, suicide numbers are up and there's all kinds of other things that are going on on a psychological level, mm-hmm. that emotional level that are super detrimental too. And it, at the root of it, I mean, one thing that I've never, did you grow up, you grew up Christian, right? You yeah. said, yeah. so one of the aspects of religion that, so I didn't like, I'm, I didn't go to church at all. Like my mom would sing a little bedtime prayer or say a bedtime prayer. And like, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord. <laughs> that was it. Like we didn't, pray before food. We didn't go to church. Um, um, but is this aspect of it around shame and guilt and like shame is a word that's not even like, I don't feel shameful for anything I've done because it would imply that, um, and regret shame and regret and guilt, like that I would want to change it. And I kind of feel like everything leads to the next thing. And so, yeah, there's some bummer stuff that's happened, but it doesn't mean that I would change it because it wouldn't, it would change where I am now. And so I I think that, that, that those words are just so big and they're like the lowest frequency words that you can embody. I 100% agree. My sister and I, we kind of had a rough childhood. Um, there was a lot of things I was blessed for with my childhood, but very rocky relationship with my father. And, you know, my dad, he admits it. He was a drug user. It was, um, and it's hard to live with someone like that. And it was just very a spotty relationship. And, um, and my sister and I have a book called incomparable and we really went in detail about it. And people ask me all the time, would you change that? And I wouldn't, it really made me who I am today. You know, like, was I envy of kids when I was young? Cause I, I thought their homes were perfect. And I'm like, Oh, if I had a dad like that, if I had a family like that, I definitely did. I had a lot of envy as a kid over these families and especially like my cousins with my uncles, I thought they had such beautiful relationships with their fathers. And I'm like, I really wanted that. But then I got older and I got this platform and I started to realize like, there's a lot of people who went through what I did and I'm lucky enough to have a voice and tell people you're not alone. And that's what I started to realize with the reality show and then with WWE and Nicole in our book is 
there's so many people out there who had the same upbringing as us, or, you know, my sister talked about being raped twice and have gone through stuff that we went through and we get to use our voice to say, you're not alone. And guess what? Instead of being a victim, you can be a survivor. Cause my sister and I kind of looked at everything in the face and really drop kicked it out of our lives. And we're like, you know what? We're going to grow from this. And instead of feeling sorry for ourselves, we're going to make something of it. How'd you and do that? How'd you, you know, do that? That's, I mean, people love that victim and like people yeah. love that victim, right? Again, it's kind of like not taking accountability. How did you get out of that? You know, I don't know if it's, I've had thick skin as a kid. So I hated when people felt sorry for me or I hated feeling sorry for myself. <laughs> um, or I don't know if it's because I had a twin sister. So I always had someone who had my back and it's funny because I'm like, of course in life we were a tag team because I feel like everything we've done our whole lives has been a tag team. I mean, even now out, out of WWE, I feel like we're still a tag team. And, um, so I don't know if having been lucky enough to have a twin on this earth to fight through it all. And it was like a, just a constant best friend or constantly someone to say, Hey, it's going to be okay. Let's do this together. Um, there was definitely days that would be hard on me and then she would be really strong and then help me. And then days she felt weak, I would be really strong. It always worked out that way. But I definitely got a little taste of what it felt like to be a survivor instead of a victim. And to me, I was like, oh, this is better. This is what Wonder Woman feels like. It is the survivor. And now I feel like I can do anything. Yeah. And so, and it's crazy because the minute you could look at life that way, you really feel like Wonder Woman. Like you feel like you can accomplish anything, anything. Man, that feels like, um, have you ever, I mean, you've heard about blue zones, right? Where blue zones are the places on earth where people live the longest. Oh no, I didn't hear this. And one of the things about these areas is community. And so while you say just your sister, um, it's still the beginning of a community. And so it's some, it's someone to help take care of you, to look out for you. And one of the things this kind of actually makes me think of another interview I did with, um, a guy named Zach Bush, and he was talking about how cancer starts and he was studying it and it was a lack of cell communication, like a cell would go rogue. And so he used the analogy, like this is where, you know, you have a 7 billion or what is it now? 8 billion people in the world, 8 billion cell community. And then one splits off and that he used the analogy of like a kid going into school and, you know, shooting people. Um, And so that one cell went rogue. And so they disconnect from the community and how important community is. And so this is an aspect of like religion that could be beautiful because there's community there, but then you have to, I mean, it's, it's so that, that part of it is really good and there are beautiful aspects to it. Um, but what I'm hearing is like you had your sister. And so like at a young age, you know, when you're embarrassed or, um, shameful or, um, you know, you, you don't, you're not brave enough to maybe reach out to somebody like you had your sister. Mm Mm-hmm. I I feel like it speaks volumes about being able to have someone that you can be truly vulnerable with. Like my sister and I will always say this, like, what if we didn't have each other? Would we have accomplished what we did? Or would we have given up at some point because it was too painful or too hard or too tough? Um, I don't know. I, 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 maybe I would have like, and you know, it's funny because people are always like, what is it like being a twin? I'm like, well, what is it like being an individual? Because right? I, yeah, I never experienced the first day of school alone. I had her. Um, 
I never experienced my parents going out and being with alone with a babysitter. I always had her, um, all these moments that kids have to do alone. And it's really actually hard on me as a mom. Like when I dropped birdie off for the first time at like, um, this daycare, she, I walked away and she's screaming my name, like just screaming and crying. And they're like, just keep walking, just keep walking. And I'm like crying. And I'm like, Oh my God, I get to this. And I just thought to myself, I just dropped my daughter off in a room of strangers. She doesn't know anyone like that's terrifying. And I don't know how to relate to her because that was, I never did that. My mom actually said when she'd drop us off, Nicole would walk in like, Hey bitches, where's the kitchen? I need to play. And I would just sit there and cry so hard, but Nicole would always come back to get me. So Nicole never cried, but I always had that comfort of my sister in every situation. So I wonder if I was like majority on this planet, who was an individual having to do it all alone, would I be as strong? I don't know. I mean, I like to think I would be, but maybe my gift in this lifetime is her and just having that strength. And because of that, we've accomplished so much and we haven't ended like her and I, like every day with our vision boards. We're like, how do we do world domination? How do we grow our empire? Like you have to my our hut, my husband and her fiance think we're crazy. We'll buy all these magazines and we're cutting stuff out. And all my husband says is like, you're wasting trees. I'm like, it's my vision board. Um, but like every day her and I like manifest and go at it. Cause we're like, we're 37. We've accomplished a lot, but we're not done yet. Like there's so much more we want to do. And I mean, it's funny because someone, when we were filming, saw all our vision boards. They're like, you're like the Kardashians. You guys all love your vision boards. And I'm like, I would be interested to talk to them because they must have a bunch of vision boards too. And you look what, where those girls are at. And so when people laugh at my vision boards, I'm like, well, the Kardashians may have them. And so you might start going to the store and get your magazines and put one together because it could, I believe it really makes things happen. A hundred percent. When I look back on my phone and I don't actually make vision boards. I should make vision boards. I'm very um, imaginative. So as soon as I like something, I start dreaming and imagining what it would be like to have it, own it, build it, grow it, whatever. Like, mm -hmm. so, but I think, but a vision, because I know that when I look on my phone and say like I screenshot things, I'm like, oh, I want to build a, build a gym like this, or I want to build a garden, or I want to do that. And like, I look back at some of those photos and I'm like, that's exactly what happened. That's so cool. You would love it then. It's like arts and craft time. And my sister and I just will sit there and get lost. You know what it is? We get lost in our dreams. Yes. And you know, and that's such a fun What could place. be more fun? Right? And just saying like, her and I will kick back and be like, okay, so do we want to live on a vineyard like now? Or are we thinking more 10 years? Because this is how we got to put our vision boards together. And my grandmother, she was, she just visited us like a couple months ago. Um, right before Christmas. And she was like, I have to say, it always scared me with you two that you guys would dream something and just go after it. Like, just go. And she's like, I would always be so nervous. She's like, but I look around and see what you guys have accomplished. And it makes me giggle, but she's like, I'm so proud of you two. Like you, and my sister and I are the types too in front of people will say really wild things. I think it'll like embarrass my husband at times because I'll be like, well, one day, and he'll always like, oh my gosh, what is she going to say? And I do say outrageous things, but I'm like, whatever, I'm going to try. If I fail, oh well, like at least I'm not going to kick back and say, what if? I'm like against what if? It's like, I tried, I fail, let's move on. But my sister and I really, 
big at doing that. And my grandmother would always kind of be like, oh no. But she's like, but you really have done it. And it's like, yeah, we have. And when's your birthday? When? Um, November 21st. So you're, so, are last, you a Sag or you're Scorpio? Last day is Scorpio. So I feel last like my sister before Sag. Mm. I feel like I'm a Sag and I feel like my sister's a Scorpio. Well, like, you came like 16 minutes after your sister, right? Uh huh. Very interesting. Sages are so like flip it with their comments. They're just so like blah, 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 blah. And they get away with saying just about anything because they're just so they own it so much. Um, Scorpio is a totally different vibe, but the fact that you're so cusp, it probably brings out the Sag. Um, so, I mean, like obviously one of them, we connect on wine. I mean, we had dinner in Napa and I'm I so know. bummed that you don't live in Arizona cause I live in Scottsdale and I'm like, we just missed each other. I know. Um, so how, I mean, like one of them for sure is wine. Why did you, I, I have my answer for why I started making wine, but what's your answer? <laughs> Loved it. Yes. Right. Loved it. I love drinking it. Me too. And you know what it was that, so my family, they, they were all farmers growing up and still my Italian side of my family, they have a produce company called majesty. You'll see them like in whole foods and, um, Albertsons and Rayleigh's and Safeway, all those different places. And, um, so I, I kind of agriculture was always surrounded, um, around me. So when I came to Napa Valley for the first time, now, I drank a lot of cheap wine in my 20s, and then I finally, like, learned, like, what good wine was. But I'll never forget, when I came to Napa Valley, I was like, holy moly, this is heaven on earth. Like, I just, I don't know what the energy is here, but it feels good, right? And everyone's so nice. And, like, th- what I like is, you might meet some bougie people, but they're, like, down to earth. And then you might meet, like, these really just straight up farmers and they're just hilarious and low key. Like everyone's vibe here. Everyone just mixes. It doesn't matter what status you are, whatever. Everyone's equal here. And I just, my sister and I became obsessed. So we started coming to Napa all the time. Next, you know, we're here like four or five times a year. And then we finally met Ryan Hill at Hill family estate and we became really close friends and he would get all these people to come in and be like, so the Bella's drink here. And finally he was like, do you guys want a, a wine? And we're like, oh, it's on, literally, it's what we said. It's on our vision board, but we didn't think this would be possible until we were 50. And he's like, let's make wine. And we were like, yes. And so, um, Nicole and I were just like, we can't believe it. We're making good wine. Cause this is my thing. And I, I feel bad for some of the wine out there, but my sister and I are like, well, we can't have a cheap wine. And so we, he did this whole wine tasting for us. So we're drinking it and we go, oh my gosh, this is really good. He's like, did you guys think I was going to make you bad wine? We're like, well, we don't know. Like sometimes people, you know, think like, oh, the wrestlers will make them cheap wine. Um, he's like, no, I know you guys are bougie with your wine palettes. And Nicole and I said, like, sometimes we're looking right now, we're going to do a project in France, but our wine is a little more expensive than what people would like. Um, besides our rosé, I think we did that good. But my sister and I are wine snobs. I have to drink my wine. I have to love it. And well, how I much have... is that? I'm curious. What what is that? Because I mean, people might, you know, be listening, be like, oh, it's just out of reach. I won't even ask. But how much is it? Because some people so, might be like, oh, I could do that. Yeah. So my our rose was twenty six dollars. We're sold we're actually sold out of everything. But um so twenty six dollars. And then um our red, everything's under fifty. Oh, so yeah. yeah, is the thirty five to fifty mark. Um 
I, I think a lot of my fans wish it was kind of under $20 and, and I get that. And we're actually working with Albert Bouchot in France and we're going to do some stuff that we can make under $20 that tastes. My sister and I actually flew out to bone France. This was actually, we both were pregnant. We didn't even know it. It was last November. I, I, I was kind of a little bit of an evil bitch at times on the trip. And now I know why. I just remember I felt off and I was like, oh, why am I just have like no patience? I'm in France. And I was pregnant. Did the wine taste different? You know, it actually didn't, but I don't know if just my body is used to it. <laughs> it felt like I did get drunk quicker though. I did notice that. And I'm like, this is French wine. Like there's not, usually not as much alcohol, but we went and tasted. And my sister and I fell in love with the rosé. We fell in love with the Pinot Noir, a red blend, um, uh, Chardonnay. I like French Chardonnays because they're more masculine. A lot of it. And then when he told us the price he could make it, I was like, okay, yay. You know, because Napa wine is expensive. Like it's an honor to have Napa wine because it is to me the best in the world, but it is expensive. But my sister and I are like, listen, the Bellas are bougie with their wine. It's the one thing I live super simple, but when it comes to my wine, I spend money and I like good wine. Even if I have one glass, I'm like, I'm going to get a good glass. Like my husband will be like, your wine, your glass of wine costs more than our meals. And I'm like, yeah, but that one glass, I just, I'm only having one. I just want to enjoy it. (laughs) I went to a, went to a party yesterday and, um, before the party went over to a friend's house. And so it was like, what are you going to bring to the party? I'm like, I always bring wine. I don't bring food. I bring wine. That's what I do. And so the first, but I brought a really good bottle over to drink first to have a glass of that first. Um, and I bought, I brought a bottle of bond over and I was like, we'll start here. This is not a party favor. Cause it's like really expensive. That's what my sister and I do though, too. And like, I, we, if we go places to where people don't appreciate wine, sometimes we'll kind of hide it a little bit and we'll be like, I mean, you don't care. You'll take the other stuff. Cause we're, care. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, my sister's the type, which is a little embarrassing, but sometimes she'll bring her own stemware because she's really like picky with stemware. That was me yesterday. I was like, um, <laughs> oh my gosh, can I be a diva and, uh, <laughs> and, and get a glass because I don't, I don't drink wine out of plastic very often. No. You know, like maybe at the racetrack after like on a night where it's like, who cares yeah. back in the day, but right. I don't like to drink out of plastic or of any kind, even plastic, like glasses, you know, like they taste different. It tastes way different. Glass. Yeah. Oh, my sister will be at a restaurant and all of a sudden if our wine's coming, she'll be like thick glass. And I'm always like, oh my gosh. Cause you know, sometimes they'll do the like real thick and you're like, I just feel like it doesn't breathe. I'm like, there's no way it's breathing right now. Like it just tastes weird. you know, the glass is going to pull some temperature out of it. So I'm also, I'm a little bit of a diva about the temperature too. I, I too. really do like it to be cellar temperature. So when a bottle comes and you're like, oh, yeah, shoot, it's going to taste a lot like hotter or a yeah. lot. It's more warm, but more like burn. It's like yes. cellar temp kind of takes it and really smooths the wine out. So between temperature of the bottle, glasses. Yeah, we're bougie. We're bougie we're about bougie. our wine. We're bougie. Whatever. But I like it because for me, it's, it makes it a fun experience. Like every time we have wine, there's, you know, you're researching, you're looking, you're like, Ooh, this sounds fun. I wonder what their story is. And then like my sister and I will sit there and we taste We're like, Oh, and I don't know. There's like this whole thing to wine like that. I'm just obsessed with whether you're at a restaurant or you're at someone's house or wherever you're at, there's just something fun about it. I just love it. 
I also love to do tasting menus with wine pairings. Oh, really? Do you do that ever? Well, I mean, I, you know, so the only time is when I've gone wine tasting if they brought something out, but I've never actually gone somewhere, which would be so but Have fun. you gone to French Laundry? Oh, yes. Okay, so last time I was at French Laundry, was really, I've been there twice. One time, oh, I was a little fuzzy, which I'm like, this defeats the purpose. Why spend all this money? And I can't remember it. Um, and then one time I took my grandmother. Oh, and wow. I do actually remember them doing that. That was, yeah, we took my grandmother, even though my grandmother kept being like, more food, more food. I'm like, yeah, there's like 22 courses. <laughs> yeah. But I like the sixth course. I'm like, I'm so hungry. Are they going to bring me food that's actually going to be full? <laughs> and then it, they don't. You just, but you do get full at the end, but you realize you have to go through 22 bites. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes, exactly. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I just love Napa. I feel like you're right. There's a certain spirit and energy. And I think that it's, for me, I really feel like it has to do with nature. You know, it has to do with orienting around farming and orienting around growing things and respecting the land and the process. And I feel like when people finally go to Napa and do what I'm going to say, honestly, is you should go and do private tastings because you really learn so much more. It's anything that you walk up to and stand at the bar. It's great and all. And but there it's it's, it's less personal and less informational. Um as you learn that there's such a curated process going on, it's so rare every year. And um, which is why I don't ever like to waste wine because you only make it that one year, that one time, yes. very special, but it's such a process and there's so much that goes into it. And I think that that's why when people go to Napa and they experience that they, there's such a deeper integration of, of love for the, for what they're drinking, um, which is why with wine, it's all about the story, right? It's all, it's, it really has to do with it because you're connecting emotionally through the story and through how it's made. And it makes, then that makes it all just sort of like a really special experience. But I, I mean, even though I've, you know, had a vineyard in Napa Valley, I bought in 2000, actually I bought dirt in 2009, but, um, but making wine, I, every time I go, I like to go to new places. And even yesterday when I was pulling wine to go to the party, I was like, there, you know, he, he was like, do you want to, you should bring maybe something that is yours. And I'm like, actually, I bring a lot of other stuff. Like I love drinking other people's wine. So I'm the same way. And that's so my sister and I do this thing sister Sunday, but we'll go to a lot of just very small family owned farms. That's so and cool. like yesterday we pulled up, but it was like this house and I'm like, huh, is that the tasting room? And it was, and they're small, cute little vineyard and they got hit. A lot of their vineyard went down in the fire in the glass fire. And, but it was crazy. The tasting room, the house survived, but, um, in some of the vineyard, but what was neat yesterday was to go through and like the wine was great, but to see the damage, but to see how they're rebuilding. And I think, so my sister and I really want to start sister Sunday, just so people know, like the farmers are having a tough time in Napa. It's like, you know, that the fire destroyed so much, but I think people forget that these farmers, you don't, you know, we both know in wine, you don't make great money in wine. It takes a very long time, unless you're these big companies coming in, spending $60 million and you have all this wine, but real good wine in these small vineyards, these people are just like blood, sweat and tears in it. And my sister and I are really trying to shine light on these people to come visit and do these tastings because they really got rocked in 2020. But to see what they're doing, how they're rebuilding and to see like them working and how much it takes. I was just there yesterday. I'm like, wow, but this is their lives and it's incredible. And so it's been like a fun little thing that we've been doing, but 
you know, you were right in the middle of the fire. And because we were in St. Helena yesterday. And it's just, you know, you're seeing growth, but it's so sad to see all the stuff that went down. Oh, yeah. I mean, it came through my whole property. Yeah, I lost about a, I lost a, I lost about 20% of my vineyard. um, But could have lost it all. Um, Thank God they, thank God they cleaned the brush the in between the rows and around the edges before before the fire came through um because that saved a lot of the vineyard um it's it's such a um it's such a process and um i i you were mentioning your sister sunday and you know there's spirituality is one aspect but i feel like the 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 door in kind of can be through self-care because it's when you start sort of taking care of yourself and also then getting more in touch with your emotions or your needs or wants or um, just cultivating aspects of you that are really only you as you get to know yourself more than, you know, that can lead to, you know, a bigger sort of spiritual exploration. But um, what other things, I mean, how is Sister Sunday going and what other things do you guys do? I think I, did I hear you get, you always... After the new year, there was an agreement to have like three hours a day. Like you get three hours of your own sort of self-care, whether it be maybe groceries or meditating, right? You get three hours. That sounds magical. Yeah. So my sister's doing that because her, you know, Artem, parenthood's been like tough on them to figure out. So they kind of started to get that system. I'm lucky. I have a nanny who comes Monday through Friday and I need her. And my husband and I, we're on baby number two. So he and I have always had a really good schedule and figured it out. And, you know, we had to do it with Bertie because he's still on the road wrestling every week. But what happened is he started to realize that I did need a day where I didn't have to think about being a mom. And I needed a day that he could be home. That could just be me being selfish for a little bit because I'm not that I give so much. And my sister and I came up with sister Sunday. So it's a day and our guys always know they always watch the kids. Like there's no ifs, ands or buts, which is such a freedom to have. And we get to literally just be sisters and let loose and feel young and youthful again. And I mean, every week we'll like sit there and pick, Ooh, what winery or what do we want to do this Sunday? Even if it's not a winery and like, just it's, it's crazy because mentally and emotionally what it's done for me, it's just, it makes you appreciate your spouse more, your kids, your life. But it also just gives you this little bit of youth that just almost is like, I feel like a shot of refreshment that I needed every week. So my sister and I, we just, but then we wanted to use it too, to help people. Of course, my husband's like, you you can't just do it for yourself. And I'm like, no, I want to help now all these farmers (laughs) Um, and tell their stories. But um, it's actually, it's really nice. And, you know, a lot of people who, you know, are first time parents or even having, I noticed a lot of families are having a hard time in COVID, whether it's homeschooling or it's, you know, just being around your spouse and your kids all day long. Like we're not supposed to do that. And it's okay. Like people I think will feel ashamed that like, why am I so annoyed at my family? Because you're with them 24 seven and that's tough. I mean, my sister and I, we absolutely love each other, but we fight. Like we literally argue like these old little Italian women, like how people, my husband can't believe how we'll speak to each other at times, but five minutes later, we're okay. And we just realized we're around each other too much sometimes that like we just get at each other, but we love each other. And I just feel in COVID, you have to come up with a system with your spouse. You need each other to be able to break free and go do what 
each other loves to do. Like my husband hates wine tasting. So he's like, why would I ever join you? I don't like it. You and your sister love it. And then he gets to go do his thing and he loves working out. I'm always like working out like that's your thing, but he loves it. He gets lost in the gym. And then with our kids, we know we have to take turns and it just helps us be better parents. And so I feel like sometimes parents will like look at each other and be like, I'm waiting for my spouse to ask me how I'm doing or for them to take the kids. It's like sometimes just ask them, be like, hey, let's sit down and make a schedule. I need a break. You need a break. Let's figure it out. And I feel like it's made Brian, our marriage happy and just being better parents. That's yeah. When you were saying it helps us be better parents, I was thinking and also better partners. Yes. Like what are what are some things that you've learned about being a better partner? You know, I was really big on just um, I don't want to say that I'm controlling because I really don't feel I'm that that way. But I just was like always was felt like I needed to be in charge of everything and just assume Brian would always just tag along. Like almost he liked that I was in charge because it meant he didn't have to do it. But I did have to learn to like take a step back and, and be like, this is the way he likes to do things. Even though it's not the way I like to, it's part of, I guess, compromise. I learned compromise. And I think compromise was always hard on me because having a twin sister, I always felt like I compromised my whole life. Like I've always had to share the spotlight. I've always had to share everything with her. So I think you asked, you asked before this, should, do you want me and my sister on this interview? And I was thinking yesterday, I didn't like clarify that, but I also didn't ask for anything different. And I was thinking to myself, I don't know your sister yet. I've only met you. So, and also like, I bet it'd be nice to do an interview sometimes where it's just you and it's just your voice. I love being a Bella twin, but there's also, you know, there's just a Brie and there is just a Nikki and we are different even though we are together. So it did, it did feel good just to be able to like me, like doing it. I love it. And that's the thing with my marriage. Like sometimes my husband's like, I'm not married to you and your sister. Cause sometimes he'll feel like he's married to both of us. And that's also another thing I had to learn to take a step back from is like, it has to be about Brian and I and not like three's company, even though he's like so used to it. And he's a Gemini. So he is the sign of the twins. Yeah. So I feel like I'm like, you're the sign of the twins. You get it. And he's like, I don't even know what that means. My husband's really weird with horoscopes. So, oh, really? Oh, yeah. And I buy the books and I am always explaining, like when he does something, I'm like, because you're Gemini. And he's like, no, no, it's not. I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> um, what's his moon? Do you know his sun, moon and rising? No, I need to figure that out because I just found out mine and I was like, whoa. What is yours? So Saturn rising, and then um, no, uh, oh, no. So Sun is Scorpio. Oh. Sun yeah. is Scorpio. Moon is oh gosh, I don't know. I have it all written down. Rise that your rising sign is not a planet. It'll okay. be a sign. Maybe it was my birth time. Yeah, you need your birth time to figure out the rising or the ascendant. Okay. Okay. I have it all written down. So I need to see, cause I talked to Susan Miller, the astrologist. Mm. So she was like breaking down my birth chart, which was incredible. And it was like spot on. It is. It's fascinating. And you know, I went through a spell of going pretty deep down astrology route and, um, you know, that whole world took a turn and crumbled, um, which is fine. Um, but I ended up pulling away from it and realizing, okay, it's really good for a baseline guidance. Like I know a lot about you based on like a quick snapshot of your chart and I can go, oh, 
I know I, I can pull a few things from it, but to like live and die by it and what the moon is for the next right. two and a half days, every two days, like all of a sudden you start getting into manifestation qualities of like, oh, it's going to be in Pisces. I'm going to be emotional. And it's like, you know, you just can't, it's not, there's, you just kind of got to live your life at some point in time, but there are some ver- right. valuable nuggets in just knowing a little bit about the chart. So, right. Like obviously I can tell with your, like with the Sag, like I can feel the Sag. That's why I was asking what your sign was. Right. Well, and I'm, I'm so like that because sometimes my sister can get deep into like the moons and I'm like another new moon, another this and that. And she'll be like, well, this, this, and this. And I'm like, well, wait a sec. I'm like, there's definitely, I think times I feel like the retrogrades or certain stuff like that. But then there's other times I'm like, you just, you got to live a little bit and take things with a grain of salt. Cause you know, Cause I do see where things aren't that. And I even said that, you know, I, my sister and I are very big. Like when we speak to healers and readers and all of those, we always take with a grain of salt. Cause there's times where there's stuff I'm like, mm, I don't think so. But then there's stuff where I'm like, Whoa, I get enlightened. And then I'm like, okay, now that I'm taking with me. So I I'm always like with a grain of salt, I do it all. And even like with me, it's like, I know if anyone who ever speaks with me, and not even spiritually, just whatever in life. It's like, just what I say, like my sister talks to me, like I'm her pediatrician. I'm like, okay, you have to take what I say with a grain of salt. Cause I'm not a doctor. I'm like, <laughs> even though we have babies 22 hours apart and I, this is my second, I'm like, Nicole, I'm not a doctor. So, and she does, she takes what I say with a grain of salt. And I feel like I kind of have to do that with everyone in life. Like, we'll see. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause the human element exists cause we're human. Yeah. Um, what are sort of the, if you were to put together like a, a, all of the practices that are the most important to you, whether it be like, I talk to an astrologer once a year or once a month, or I meditate this much, or I have sister Sunday, or I get my nails done. Like what, what would be like the, the group of things that you do or you speak to on a regular sort of like that you feel like is in critical and important to your self-care spiritual practice. So for me, it's any time that I can experience stillness. Um, I've, and I really realized that actually through the pandemic, um, whether it's, I'm in meditation or I've now I'm a runner, I've been running, it's crazy. Um, or I'm out in nature or even if it's wine tasting, because there is a lot of stillness and wine tasting when you're way out there. But what I realize is when I'm in complete stillness, I feel like it's when I can hear myself the most um, of what I want and what I want in present time, not what I want in 10 years or 20 years, what I want literally in present time, because I feel like I was such a workaholic and I didn't realize it before the pandemic. It's just, I said yes to everything. And I would drag my little daughter with me. We'd fly everywhere. And I got my hands into everything. And then when the pandemic hit and being forced to be home and being still, I started to actually realize like, whoa, I'm not the same Brie I was 10 years ago and I'm trying to keep up. And I felt like, who am I now? And I I started to realize I got to let go of some of my companies and some of the stuff I'm doing because I'm just doing it. I'm not really living it. And I kind of was like, okay, Brie, like this pandemic, let's give ourselves permission to grow and evolve because you have evolved. And now I really know I have to experience stillness at some point in my day. I never know what my days are going to be. Like this morning, I woke up a little late, um, buddy's teething. 
So my day started a little rocky, as you can tell. And then I forgot my carpets are getting clean, all this. So here I'm in my bathroom. (laughs) But I know at some point today, I need to just be still. And if it's meditation, or if it's me going running and hearing the birds, just I that's now I have to live my days because it really allows me to be more present, present as a mom, as a wife, and just like what I want to do in my life. Because I think I was just too busy to really hear myself that I was listening to everyone else. And I just, I really was working way too hard. Self-care is not selfish. Yeah. And see, I always would feel like it was, I think I, I felt bad when I'd go get a massage. I almost felt guilty. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and now I look at it, I'm like, why? Like, I, actually I should have gotten more massages. Now I haven't gotten a massage forever. And I'm like yearning for one. I'm like dying over here. <laughs> By the way, when you get massages now, it's like, wear your mask and then sometimes there's shields and like the whole world oh my god oh I was getting adjusted the other day because I've been having issues with like my back and my fingers and stuff and I had to wear my mask and I'm face down and there's a part of me I was like I I can't breathe I'm like this is like because your face is all smushed and then I have this mask on and I was kind of like wait can I come up for air I'm like dying over here it's like awful yeah yeah it's funny they're trying to save you to keep you breathing. But yet while you're doing the thing they tell you to do, you're like, I can't breathe. Like the worst is working out with it on. Oh my God. Like I've done that a few times. I'm like, I just literally can't breathe. Yeah. I can't do that. I think that's why I took up running. Luckily I'm out here in the country and I'm running my, just my sister and I with vineyards. And so, um, because I, I can't work out with the mask. So I'm just like, you know what, if, running if I'm going to be a runner now which I've actually lost quite a bit of weight I was like okay we need to run what's the how far do I need to run well so we started the 5k app have you heard about this so it's an app and every day they tell you how to like exactly how to run and by the end of this you will be a 5k runner and I will say my sister and we've been doing it and in the beginning it was super easy you're kind of like you almost want to run more but we've been listening to the app and then there was a couple of days where we were dying. We were like, <gasps> and then now yesterday or not yesterday, the day before we were like, whoa, our endurance has really gotten better. So we're going to go today and I can't wait because today will be a little longer. And I, I'm really anxious to see like, you know, how this is. But supposedly at the end of this, I can walk out my door and go do a 5k like no one's business. Yeah. So you'll be running for how long do you go run for like 20, 30 minutes? Yeah. So right. We're about, um, we're almost at 30 minutes right now. So I think we're like at 24, 25. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, that's, but I love it. I feel so good. Is so there good. any any other, I mean, that's a new, that sounds new. Is there anything else new when it comes to the world of, you know, interests, whether it be, you know, I mean, shoot, this could be like anything. Is there anything on the horizon that you're hoping for or anything on the board? And on the board? Well, so it's funny because... Um, my sister and I, we actually, her and I were talking about this yesterday and, you know, we're, wine has always been our thing. And so we're, we wanted to expand it, but her and I were also like, you know, what other little things like, do we love? Like, we feel like there's something we need to do. And her and I have been kind of trying to create shows where we're not in front of the camera, where we're behind the camera. We'll find these interesting stories and then we'll like pitch them and be like, we feel like this will be great or that. And we've gotten denied a lot. And then there's some stuff that have actually shown a lot of interest. And then months later, they're like, oh, well, we'll go back to it. And we're like, damn it. So we've actually been getting really creative in those ways, like brainstorming shows and 
even a lot in more for us, it's um, more in reality instead of like in the scripted world. And, but just, it's been really fun where we're like, should we have our own production company? Cause we keep doing these pitches. So we kind of like have been doing that. And then, um, her and I too, like everyone keeps asking us about makeup and I'm like, my sister and I love makeup, but we're very natural. But then her and I yesterday were like, wait a sec, maybe people are yearning. And cause it's been such a glam world of the glam, 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 the contour, maybe like people are thirsting for more going back to that natural type and maybe, I don't know. So her and I were like yesterday drinking our wine being like, well, maybe we do something more like this, which is the opposite everyone else is doing, but maybe we have something there. You know, it was sister Sunday. We're drinking wine and we just started spitballing. So, well, but, I'm sure. And you know, 18 months when you have a product line of, you know, makeup, that's like this, like, um, let's, let's name it right now. It'd be like, um, um, Bella something. It would be like, I mean, yeah. your wine is Bonita Bonita. So I feel like you'd need to do something. Maybe, yeah. Bella Bonita or yeah. Bonita, Bonita Bella. We'll mix our Mexican yeah. Italian. We've never mixed them. I always tell Nicole, I'm like, you know, cause you know, we're the Bella twins, which we, we did that because of our grandfather. Is um, that your, is, is that the, your real last name? No. So okay. Real last, so our real last name is Garcia Colas because my parents weren't married when they had us. Or in Italian, they'll say Colacci. So my poor sister still has the hyphenated name. <clears throat> Me being married, it's Danielson. Um, but we did Bella because of my grandfather. And because we, when we started wrestling, he had just shortly passed. And so we just thought, let's do our Italian side. And then, But then for so long, we're like, gosh, we need to do something with our Mexican side too. And so then Nicole and I finally with the Bonita Bonita, we feel like, you know, for our Mexican side, but we've never blended the two. So maybe we do oh. makeup. Look what we just came up with. Right. I love it. That's so I cool. I love it. <laughs> I love your, I love your vibe. I love, I love that you, I love that I have someone to go see in Napa now when I go. No. Um, we need to do a little wine party and do some wine tasting with each of our wines. Yes. And we have to go hiking. I've been dying to go hiking here. I just have no one to go with right now. I love hiking. Um, can I butt in on a sister Sunday? Yes. You know what we could do? You know, it'd be really fun is if we have a wine party, even if it's just a couple of us and we put paper bags over wines and kind of just, you know, like what kind of wine is this? And we can all like, I did that one time a hundred years ago when I was in Napa and it was a Easter and we were up at Dan Costa's house. Have you ever heard of Dan Costa Brown? Like no. uh, Pinot Noir or a uh, Pinot Noir. Um, anyway, it's, it's a really, really good one. And, um, and he had all the super fancy wine. And at one point in time, they did that with a bottle and I whittled it down and it ended up being, it was like, okay, this is kind of taste old world, not new world. So I was like, maybe like France. Yes. And then I was like, wow, this is pretty good. I wonder if like, and I got to, I was like, I wonder if this is like a Rothschild, like it's so, and they were like, which one? And then they gave me oh a choice, Mouton or Lafitte. And I was like, I feel like I've had Lafitte and I don't think it's that I'm going to go with Mouton. And I was right. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is awesome. See, I've heard people do this before. I've never done it. So that could be our sister Sunday. Okay. Done. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. You're adorable. Thanks everybody for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.